interrupted. Now what? Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Interruptions. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, we call our podcast Interruptions because we really believe that there's a magical space between an incident or something occurring and our reaction to that incident or occurrence. We call that space the interruption. So that was the magic behind naming our podcast. We on the Workplace Learning and Professional Development team believe that if you have the appropriate tools to positively engage during that interruption, that's really when the magic can happen and we can yield the positive results that we all want. So on today's episode, this is a part of our Love GT series, Love Georgia Tech, and we're taking a deeper look into our newly articulated institute values, of which there are nine. But I'm super excited to chat today with Dean Nelson Baker about our collaboration value. Dean Baker, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Latrice, and great to uh, share some viewpoints, but also hear from everybody else. Awesome. So, Dean Baker, to start this conversation, have you ever played the game One Gotta Go? Have you ever heard of this? I have not. I feel left out. (laughs) Well, you won't be left out any longer because we're going to play, all right? So I'm going to tell you like three or four things, and you're going to have to pick which one has to go, okay? Very simple game. Okay. All right. Your cell phone, streaming platforms, the internet, or hot showers. Your streaming phone, platforms. Streaming platforms? What are you going to watch? Streaming platforms. Where are you going to watch all your programs? Well, I love people. And <laughs> loving people, you don't need streaming platforms. You need to be able to get together. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, streaming platforms. All right, let's see one, another one. Pizza, french fries, burritos, or hamburgers? Oh, that's a tough one. At least you didn't put ice cream in there. That would have made, <laughs> made it even tougher. I guess I'd say French fries. French fries. I know. Those are tough. Those are four tough ones. They're all favorites. Okay. I'm, I'm trying okay. to harken back on, you know, what I keep hearing from my physician about, you know, what I should and shouldn't eat. So the ah. French fries would probably be at that list. I got you. I got you. Those darn carbs. Career progress, a social life, or enough sleep? One got to go. <laughs> oh man they're all needed you get enough sleep to be able to do the other two career progress we want to see everybody grow and thrive and what was the third one social life you love people remember you love people i mean we are human and social life keeps us all thriving social life i think would also include family right yeah that could include family (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so you got to keep family in that mix. So family can't go. So social life has to stay. Okay. I guess it's less sleep. <laughs> but man, you're making this very difficult. <laughs> All right. Well, I just like to try to have a little fun before we start. Yeah, that gives us some insights into you um, as a person, Dean Baker. So just tell us briefly a little bit about yourself. Oh, happy to do so. Uh, so I actually did my undergraduate degree at Georgia Tech uh, in civil, it was civil engineering then as opposed to civil and environmental engineering. I then went and moved on to Seattle, Washington and was a practicing civil engineer designing uh, bridges and tunnels and roadways uh, and things like that. And it was in an era where digitization and computerization of design was starting to come into vogue. 
And because I'd had some of that experience at Georgia Tech, I think a hallmark of Georgia Tech is that we give our students new frontiers uh, to tackle and to consider. So the firm was asking me to, to do that for them. I realized, however, that the computer models were based upon mathematics I didn't have a background in. Uh, and I really struggled with an ethics problem and that I felt that if a bridge failed because of the design and the data that I put in, people die. Mm. I couldn't sleep, literally could not sleep. So I quit my job and I went back and said, I'm going to get a master's degree to learn more about those kinds of things. Traveled all the way back across the country to Carnegie Mellon. Uh, in the process of that journey, I really found out that I had a passion for teaching and helping other people learn, and so continued on to get my doctorate degree at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, and in that journey, uh, at the end, I said, so where can I go to academe? And at the time, Georgia Tech had an opening uh, amongst other places, so I applied, and so I've made this big triangle uh, from Atlanta to Seattle to Pittsburgh back to Atlanta, and I've been here now 32 years on the faculty uh, in civil engineering, Dean of Professional Education, now trying to help more people learn from Georgia Tech's assets. Uh, and so in a given year, you know, there may be more than 100,000 people that are participating in Georgia Tech's learning activities with our faculty, be it in our online degree programs, be it in online non-degree, non-credit programs, or physically at our facilities here in Atlanta and Savannah. So it's been a great journey, one that keeps me excited to try to still help people learn. It's even more important now, I think, than it ever has been as the world around us continues to change. That is awesome. You've had a magical career, 32 long years. That's amazing. Congratulations on all that you have accomplished. It's so aspirational to hear you talk about it with such excitement. I want to ask you about one thing that you mentioned in your um, when you were telling us about yourself and you said you had kind of an ethical dilemma and you decided to like move on from a, an employer or from um, a position that you were in. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, how did you make that decision? Well, it certainly wasn't lightly. I mean, when you're earning a salary. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's your very way of living and to say, I can't sleep. Uh, and I need to do something different. Uh, it took a lot of thought, took a lot of conversations with colleagues and others. Is this the right decision for me at the right time? And I ultimately came to the decision point that I needed to make that decision so that I could do the work that I'd hoped to do, do it well, do it ethically. Uh, and as engineers, uh, many of us take a, a code of ethics that we're not going to enter into a practice or do work that we're not qualified to do. And I did not feel qualified to do what I was being asked to do by my employer. And mm -hmm. so I felt obligated to say, I'm not doing that. I need to do something else. Uh, but I also wanted to improve myself. So that's why I went back and got my master's degree uh, to, to be on that journey so that I could learn the things that I needed to learn to do the work that I thought I was going to do only mm -hmm. to find out that I'd changed careers in the process uh, and move into higher education as opposed to private practice and engineering. Yeah, that's so interesting. It, it makes me think about, um, you know, so we, we have these relatively new, I guess it's been about two years now, um, newly articulated values, right? And so I'm like 
studying and sort of interested in this idea of value congruence, right? So organizations will espouse one thing. They'll say, you know, I value X. And sometimes there is some incongruency, um, you know, sometimes even between me personally, luckily our values, you know, line up with my personal values, but sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where there's misalignment there. And so it sounds like, you know, you're saying you have to be courageous, you have to have real conversations. I'm interested in understanding sort of how you create an environment so that people can do that um, and have that psychological safety is the buzzword that I'm hearing to sort of point out when there's misalignment in our values. Oh, I think it's so important. Life is far too short in my viewpoint to force yourself to do things that you hate to do. If we can find spaces that we thrive because we love to do them, that's where magic happens. And I think there's a lot of people at Georgia Tech who have that passion. They're in their passion space. Uh, there's certainly, that's not 100% true. I know there's individuals that probably are here that it's not their passion space. I'd like to help them find their passion space because we all have that passion. So the number one thing I would say to your question is listen and purposefully listen. Ask questions to try to elicit where the person's really coming from. You've not walked in their shoes. Uh, and to understand where they're coming from helps all of us try to find that passion space and to build better teams because then magic happens when people find mission, purpose, and passion. Nice. I love it. So the jewel there is to listen, right? Listen purposefully and help people to find their passion space. I love that. So when I asked you to speak with me a little bit, you were interested in um, speaking about sort of the collaboration value. We value collaboration is one of the nine values um, of the Institute. Can you tell me why that, that resonated with you? Well, I think it resonates for me for multiple purposes. Collaboration is core to who GTPE is. Uh, mm -hmm. We're in some ways the matchmaker, the collaborator, working with our faculty and subject matter experts at Georgia Tech to the outside world. Companies will call us, organizations will call us and say, hey, we're struggling with some, some aspect uh, of, their, of their entity, can you help us? And so part of our role is to collaborate, listen intently to what their needs are, and then to try to find someone at Georgia Tech uh, that has that expertise that can help out. Uh, oftentimes, if it's not at Georgia Tech, I'll refer other parts of the university system where I know that expertise exists. And that builds deeper trust and collaborations because they say, hey, they just weren't selling me on something at Georgia Tech. They were really trying to help me do what we needed to do with the best possible uh, resources and talents. Uh, and so they'll call back. Uh, multiple times and it builds those kinds of relationships uh, over and over again. So even from techniques where uh, not just creating say curricular materials to help with uh, professional development and training at companies, but even internally uh, from a budget standpoint, how can we better align ourselves as an organization and as people with our colleagues across the Institute so that we can work collaboratively together, we can be more efficient with the revenues and, and expenses that we have as an institution, but we learn from each other. Uh, I'm also part of an international organization called the International Association for Continuing uh, Engineering Education, IACEE. 
and working with international colleagues. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes where English isn't their first language, uh, you really get to hear intently and listen intently and practice those skills on collaboration because what you may value is near and dear to your heart in a way in which you'd like to proceed. They come from a different background, a different culture. It doesn't make it right, doesn't make it wrong. It's just different. And you have to listen intently to hear where they're coming from and to find common ground. So the second principle I would have around this collaboration value is common ground. Uh, don't look for the differences, look for the commonalities because those are the easy wins to collaborate and work together. Yeah, common ground. That is so well articulated, but sometimes it is harder to do than it's not. Sometimes it may not be the most natural way of being, right? And so I think that is also excellent tool to put in your toolkit when you find yourself in a conversation that may be a little bit difficult or we're trying to collaborate and have different point of views, you, what I hear you saying is to find common ground. Stop looking for the differences and look for the places where we have commonalities. So that's great. Is this no, something? Yeah, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, I was just going to add to that. Uh, whenever I've done that purposefully, mm -hmm. I always find myself also enriched because mm -hmm. I learned something new. Mm -hmm. that I can add to my toolkit as opposed to saying it's my way or the highway. That's never worked well for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I just feel a more enriched individual. Uh, and I hope our organization is too by doing those kinds of deep listening, finding common ground uh, and moving forward together. Nice. Is this something that just came, comes natural for you, um, Dean Baker, or is it like something you've had to learn over the years? I think it's some of both, Latrice. I, I think it's part of who I am as a person, trying to be a listener. Uh, when I look back on even my um, high school days, I found myself also often being that person trying to help others, mm -hmm. uh, be it through curricular materials or personal situations or whatnot. And that's kind of followed me through my career journey. Um, some ways is probably why I'm a faculty member. I, I love trying to help people. Uh, but I also think that you have to practice it and you have to keep learning from it. And so while it may be part innate, uh, it's also something that you can acquire over time. And I would encourage all of us to practice, mm -hmm. but to have empathy. We're all not all good at everything, including right. this. And so it's okay to, to stumble. Uh, you know, if we're gonna be true collaborators, we have to understand that the other side may stumble how do we help pick them up? Uh, and we all learn. Do you have a, a specific, and I didn't ask you this ahead of time, so do you have a specific example that may come to mind where, you know, collaboration went wrong or you would have done something differently? Yeah, I probably do. Uh, in fact, I'm sure I do. There, there's many of those kinds of things that I wish you could have a do-over mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, I'd say one of them is, is probably in some of these international settings where you're not exactly sure of cultural norms uh, and you end up doing something that in hindsight it's like, man, I wish I really hadn't done that. Uh, and but I think that's where having open, honest conversations and honestly apologize and say, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I did not realize 
that this was so important to your culture, I should have been more respectful. Uh, I'm going to take that as a learning opportunity and I won't do it again. I want to respect your wishes also. And that's part of how we all learn through these journeys. Absolutely. And that is so I think, you know, hearing that from people like you at the most senior levels of an organization, it's okay to say, I'm sorry, right? It's okay to say, I messed up. I didn't mean that was not my intention and to go back and sort of clarify. Um, so I think that's a, definitely another lesson learned. All of us are human mm -hmm. uh, and we all make mistakes. Mistakes are probably one of the most powerful ways to learn. If as an organization we don't make mistakes, we're probably not taking enough risk and being innovative enough. So I see mistakes is also part of learning and moving forward. Now, obviously, you don't want to make the same mistake a uh, hundred times over. Uh, you yeah. should be learning from it. Uh, but to openly admit, I, I made a mistake, uh, I'm going to learn from it, I think is all part of us being human and accepting of that. Absolutely. One thing that I think about when I think of collaboration is this idea of, you know, very smart people with very, you know, strong, um, grounded opinions that sometimes may conflict each other. They may be a little different. And so um, any advice on how to have those conversations or how to less about having them, but more about how do you um, encourage that spirited debate in an organization so that the collaboration that you really want to happen happens? Well, I think uh, all parties have to be willing to state their viewpoints up front, but you give them that time and space to share their mm -hmm. viewpoint as opposed to cutting them off or trying to get your point in uh, rather than listening to theirs. Remember the first thing I said was listen intently. Mm -hmm. If you're listening intently and listening and purposefully, you're not talking, you're listening. Mm -hmm. uh, so give them that space to have their viewpoint shared but also to have your viewpoint shared in the same uh, equitable fashion, because that's where you find common ground, is if you're really intently listening and you share openly and honestly, even if you know that the other side probably doesn't want to hear what you're about to say. Uh, and so you have to have those conversations and the spiritedness uh, needs to be from the passion, not degrading. This is where you're really coming from and you explain why you're coming from it from there, even if the other side doesn't understand. But if you don't share, they can't get to an understanding. Uh, and so I welcome those kinds of things. I think it should be encouraged to have those spirited conversations, but with the intent to collaborate and find common ground uh, so that you can collectively move forward. Because if it's not a win-win solution, that means both sides have something that they can claim as victory if one's looking for a victory. Um, it's not going to stick. It's not going to be lasting uh, because the other side that feels left out is constantly going to be saying, nope, this isn't the solution. Yeah, awesome. Are there any particular pillars or anything tangible, like specific that you all do or we, because I'm a part of GTPE, I'm so honored, um, that we do in GTPE to sort of enable collaboration? Well, I think we could do more. We can always do more to enable mm -hmm. 
collaboration, but I hope listening is one of those first things and then being willing to help. So I know when I talk to individuals that have either gone through some of our programs or even just uh, been part of our facilities, uh, they're an outside entity that just comes to Georgia Tech because they want a learning environment. I often hear the phrase, and it's a cliche, but they mean so much more by it than just the cliche. I never knew what Southern hospitality was until I came here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's endemic upon who we are as an organization, that we want to help. We truly want to listen and help. Uh, from just trying to help somebody find restaurant reservations that's new to our city, uh, to trying to help them find where their classroom's located. We'll have people oftentimes who are part of our um, building presence that find themselves in the wrong part of the Georgia Tech campus and help them point to the right direction, but not just say, it's the building over there, here's the map by now, but give them some guidance on how to physically get there. We did a Disney training institute several years ago, well, probably more than several now. Uh, but one of the things that I remember from that institute just vividly well is that how the entire Disney team works together. And so the example they used was a family walking down Main Street of, of Disney World, uh, and they could just see the sweat pulling off, you know, all the members of the family because, you know, it was excruciatingly hot and whatnot. And uh, on the street said, you know, there's a, a stand right down the, the street here that you can get uh, free water for today. Uh, and, uh, you know, the family was deeply appreciative, but the person went an extra step. They used their, their radio device. They called the store and said, there's a family of four coming. They're wearing this color clothing. They need the free water. As the people got to the store, the people were there handing them the free water before they even had to ask. It's anticipating those kinds of things and working together that is part of what I hope is in our DNA each and every day to truly help each other as humans and colleagues along our life's journey. Yeah, those are good examples. I would also add, I, I recognize that, you know, I know GTPE has been, you know, together for a, lo a long time. However, there's still like fundamental things that I've noticed the team does. And, you know, you have opportunities to do Q&As, you know, quarterly, or actually it's more than it's every other week, right? There's opportunities to submit, you know, questions anonymously as we build the culture and build this environment so that people can collaborate and start to do it more openly. You know, sometimes when you walk in the door, you're filling things out. You're trying to see, do they really want my opinion? Do they not? Do they really want to work with me and collaborate with me? And I think that um, GTPE has done a really good job of trying to take us, you know, step by step along the way to show that this is something that we really want to do. So those are all key tangible things that folks listening to this podcast and your organizations, you can create the space um, for those things to happen. What are so, Latrice, I would just say, A, I appreciate what you just said, because that's mm -hmm. important for us as an organization, our leadership, to also hear of what the organization wants and believes. But mm -hmm. B, we haven't always been there. So mm -hmm. as part of our learning journey, also, we didn't used to have those kinds of tools. Uh, and I'd say the last year, year and a half of the pandemic and the social injustice and everything else that's transpired around us, uh, we've really done a lot of listening and we put those things in place and those are things that will stay. Yeah, awesome. 
What are the challenges, Dean Baker, that sometimes get in the way of collaboration? Uh, we're all human. Uh, <laughs> we have our personal preferences, and all of us would like to win more often than we lose. And if you go into these conversations with a win-lose attitude, that gets in the way, and that's a big challenge. If you come mm -hmm. out of it that I'm going to be a better person because we're going to work together and they're going to help me, uh, that becomes a, a huge opportunity and helps overcome those kinds of challenges. But it's easy to fall back into um, what could be viewed as a, a self-serving uh, kind of viewpoint. Uh, and we're all human. We all fall into that. We all have basic needs. We want to serve us first. That's part of being human. Uh, but overcoming those and saying we'll be better together than individually is part of that learning experience. Yeah, for sure. I think it's also important to stay the course, like you said. You just mentioned, you know, we didn't always have these things, um, these mechanisms in place to enable collaboration. Through our learning journey, we were able to incorporate some of those things and we will sustain that we will keep those things so that we can keep that collaboration going i think the last thing that i'd like to just explore with you a little bit is this idea of past um traumas trauma is such a a, a, a big word in my opinion but you know when you when you're building an organization and you are hiring people you know, people come with baggage. They come with their um, previous experiences all, you know, with them. And so as we try to unpack those things and think about maybe I came from an organization where collaboration was not um, valued. Perhaps I gave my opinion in this organization and it wasn't well received. What advice would you give to members who want to continue to press forward, even though they may have had an interruption in the past that didn't um, go as they would have, have hoped as it relates to collaboration. Any final pieces of, of words of advice or things you would say to people who've tried it? I tried it, Dean Baker. I've done those things. I listened intently. I, you know, tried to find common ground. It just didn't work out well for me. Well, so I guess there's several things that I would say. We all come with life's past lessons, both good and bad. Uh, and they are professional, they're personal, they're social, there's the context from uh, that, that surrounds all of us along our lifetime. We can't erase those. Uh, we need to learn from them. Uh, so embracing those kinds of things and trying to figure out where the other person come from is often a way in which I found uh, helpful to me trying to find this collaboration space. Uh, and sometimes it even becomes uh, of an interest to me. I want to learn more about the person and where they're coming from to try to help understand perhaps others that I haven't understood before, but this is a unique situation for me to learn uh, and to try to find those kinds of things out. The second is uh, by doing so, it earns trust. And I say earns trust. Trust is not given. And that takes time. It's not an instant on-off switch. Uh, and I think as people come into an organization, they're going to be looking to earn trust. And it's a two-way street. The organization is looking to trust the individual that just came in, but the individual is also looking to earn trust from the organization from which they're now part. That trust building 
is something that's part of onboarding. It's part of being people. Uh, we'll have ups and downs because there will be incidents that you lose trust. And it's much easier to lose than it is to earn. Uh, and we just need to keep those things in mind as we go through life's journeys. Uh, back to where I said before, it's, it's okay to make a mistake and apologize for it. That can earn trust even though the idea of making the mistake may have lost trust um, along the way. Um, so I, I guess those would be some, some parting thoughts from my perspective. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I feel like I've learned so much. Just to recap some of the things that I heard you say, it's like when you are building this collaboration muscle, right, you need to listen intensely. You need to look for common ground. It's so easy for us to sometimes try to see our differences. So let's really pull out our microscope, our, our, our magnifying glass and try to amplify those um commonalities find common ground apologize when you you know when you mess up and 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 correct it don't be messing up a hundred times over and over with the same thing but you know um have space for that because through failure you know sometimes comes great ideas and then i think um one of the things that i really sort of keyed into what you said is you talked about collaboration in many sort of layers in some ways. You talked about collaboration with faculty, you talked about collaboration, you know, with international um, endeavors. You talked about it, you know, from a USG perspective because we are part of a greater um, system of, you know, colleges and universities. And so um, as we all think about collaboration and, and think about this value, we should all be thinking about these things that Dr. Baker has, that these jewels that Dr. Baker has given us. So, so Latrice, I'll just add two things yeah. to that. Great yes. summary. Thank you. You were intently listening. Uh, <laughs> but I, I would just add that uh, keep learning because yes. we're all not as good at it as we can be. So keep mm -hmm. learning at this journey. And we all start from an early age collaborating, whether we know it or not, mm -hmm. because we've all collaborated with our families. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to the ballpark and they wanted to go skating. We had to collaborate to figure out where the family was going to go. Mm -hmm. It's all part of what, what we do as people at some level. Uh, so learn from those experiences. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, Dean Baker. It has been my pleasure to speak with you. And for those of you all who are listening, stay tuned because we have more values coming your way. This is Latrice. Thank you, Latrice. You're welcome. Thank you so much.